Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who needs business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Happy Monday, She Did It Her Way listeners. Hope you guys all had a fantastic and lovely Valentine's Day weekend and got to spend it with some important people in your life, whether it be a significant other or just sharing it with your friends and family. I'm excited to share today's episode of the She Did It Her Way podcast number 60, and it is with Jessica Rhodes, who is the owner and founder of a business called Interview Connections, which is a guest booking service for podcast and internet radio shows. And after we spend some time there, we're also going to dive into her show called Roads to Success. But you're going to find a ton of information and value from what it is to start a business, how to scale it, how to raise your prices and knowing when to raise your prices, and just the mindset of what it is to be an entrepreneur, and you hear about her journey as well. Truly an inspiring story. So stay tuned. Coming up next is Talking Business and Podcasts with Jessica Rhodes. But yeah, I am extremely excited to have you on the show, but I, and even all the stuff that I've researched and I looked on, and I mean, you've accomplished so much already with everything in podcasting. Tell us a little bit about what it is that Jessica Rhodes, what do you do? And then tell us how you got there. Yeah, so I do a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. Hi, uh, I do a lot. I do a lot. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so <laughs> I have, I've got two kids, and uh, you know, they're they're the most important, and they they take up the most time. I have a two and a half year old son and a four month old daughter, Nathan and Lucy. And I guess I start with with the kiddos because the reason I started my business, I started my business when I was pregnant with Nathan, my oldest, because I was working a nonprofit job and I, I wanted to get out of that and I wanted to just change my life up when we had kids. I wanted to be um, a stay-at-home mom. But I also didn't want to stop working and didn't want to stop working, couldn't stop working, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't afford one salary for the family. So my my dad's actually my business coach. He's an entrepreneur as well. And as I was, you know, preparing for the birth of my first baby, thinking about what I was going to do, my dad recommended, he said, why don't you, you know, start a virtual assistant business? Um, and I had no idea what a virtual assistant <laughs> was. I had no idea what a VA was. I, quite frankly, I didn't know there were all these online entrepreneurs, you know, creating businesses from home with a flexible schedule is just an entirely different world. And just Amanda, to give you a back, like a little bit of peek into what my life was, I ran a door to door field canvas. So I was hardly ever. So um, I directed a staff of people who knocked on doors, went house to house and um, did community organizing and fundraising for a nonprofit. Um, So very, very unique job. It's for a very rare breed of people that enjoy those, those face-to-face interactions, um, you know, really just hardcore sales work. I mean, it was fundraising, so it wasn't technically, you know, we weren't selling like window cleaning and things like that. It's but, harder uh, than selling, I would assume. It was, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I, 
have never, you know, done this, uh, the, you know, technically selling thing, but it's, it's all I ever knew. I had been doing that for, uh, you know, we're the, ex- almost the exact same age yeah. and I had just been doing that all through college and then after college. Um, and so it was very different. So hardly ever, you know, I didn't have a Twitter account, <laughs> like I had Facebook, but it was just all this online marketing and podcasts and stuff was totally new to me. So my dad introduced me to this world of having my own business and I became one of um, his virtual assistants. So my dad is actually my first client and I was doing some admin work for him and client support. Just He was just kind of letting me test the waters and seeing what I was good at. And one of the tasks that he had me do for him was book him for interviews on podcasts. He says, I get interviewed on internet radio shows, on podcasts about business and entrepreneurship and marketing. So why don't you, you know, take that task and just get me booked? So I thought, okay, I just, I had no idea like what I was doing, you know, first I was pitching to these huge shows, but I didn't know they were big. That's kind of <laughs> like when you first get started, it's good to be a little bit naive and oh, to be absolutely. kind of ignorant because if I... Like there were shows that I was pitching him to that if I had known like how big they were, you know, I probably wouldn't have gone for them. Um, but I just I went out there and I booked him. And, and as I was doing this work and and pitching him to people, um, you know, I started he was recommending me to some other friends. So I started taking on like, you know, I had maybe two or three clients doing this work for and I just started having people ask me you know what I do and they say hey I could really use help getting interviews I would like to be on more shows and I would like more guests so um, kind of long story short I just discovered there was this need in the marketplace you know podcasting for entrepreneurs and small business owners was becoming popular it was becoming a very effective marketing strategy that people were starting to take on and guest connecting services was really something that people needed and nobody was really offering. So um, my dad, as my business coach, helped me create interviewconnections.com. So I would no longer just be, you know, a virtual assistant, sole proprietor, freelancer, but I went into actually creating a whole business where I have a team and I can, because I knew right away when you have a service-based business, you can only scale it so far. You can scale it as much as your hours allow. But once, you know, and especially like having a little baby, I could only work so many hours in the day before I said, wow, if I want to grow, I need to hire people. And so um, the past two and a half years have been a whirlwind of growing a service-based business, hiring people, uh, scaling the business, but also just keeping it really niched. Um, there have been no shortage of shiny objects and ideas. You know, people love to give you Ooh. ideas. You should do this. And you should do this. <laughs> you should get people booked for speaking engagements and you should JV with this person and you should be an affiliate. And like, I mean, I could write a book about all the ideas people have given me. And, and 99% of the time I said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to stay niched. I'm only going to, uh, you know, I'm only going to offer this service to this market and, and it's continued to be more profitable and, and grow every single month. So, uh, that is kind of a, um, you know, that's my past two and a half years in, in a nutshell there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's an, it's a fantastic nutshell because you have your interview connections, which is what, if I'm just going to recap really quick, you started out in nonprofit and then you left, started doing virtual assisting and then your dad helped you. Um, well you identified that people were coming to you saying, can you help me book these podcasts Mm -hmm. and do that? And then now, so you have interview 
connections and then you also have your own podcast so when did did that all start at the same time or was it no definitely not all at the same time and and this is what I like to to share with people because people typically say like you've got videos and you've got podcasts and you got all this stuff how do you do it all and you really just have to ease your way into it so I did not start with with all this stuff, I, you know, it's definitely didn't, you know, start the business and then suddenly have podcasts. I mean, I, I laugh about how I was so busy helping everyone else with their podcasts that I didn't have my own show for over a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I started Interview Connections um, in, in 2013 and it wasn't until uh, fall of 2014 that I finally got around to having my own podcast. Um, and for a while, it kind of made it work for me. Like I said, I, you know, my advice is good because I, I have the outsider perspective. It's kind of like when you run, like when people run for office and they say, I'm not a politician. I've never been in office before. Um, <laughs> never thought about that before. But so, and but the reality was I just didn't have enough time and there was a fair amount of fear that went into it. Um, as a podcaster, Amanda, you know, there's so many opinions out there and uh, there's, there's a lot of critics um, and a lot of people, oh, you're too much like this show or, and so I had a lot of that fear too. Like if I didn't have a show, then I didn't have a show anyone could hate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um. But, you know, I I went to Podcast Movement, actually, in 2014, and uh, Jared Easley had released his book, Podcasting Good to Great, and it, that book is all about, you know, how you can use podcasting as a way to grow relationships and collaborate with people. I had so many ideas going through my head after being at that event and reading his book. I thought, you know what? I have to have my own show. This is going to allow me to connect with people, um, you know, just another way to market my business and deliver content. So I started Roads to Success. That's R-H-O-D-E-S. So I kind of play it on my last name there. Mm -hmm. And I started Roads to Success, and that's a weekly interview show. Um, I interview entrepreneurs, marketers, you know, started out as really just focusing on content relationship marketing, but I've really branched out and have just gone into different rabbit holes that I'm interested in. So I'll focus on, like, I've interviewed... Um, uh, Dr. Carrie Derizga, who's an expert in fatigue. And so we kind of talked about entrepreneurial fatigue and I've talked about um, hiring freelancers. So just a lot of different business topics that, I mean, are interesting to me and that I need and, and in turn are helpful to my audience as well. Yeah. Okay. So with interview connections too, so with the podcast and then the connections, talk to us about when you first started that, how what was it, it like for you as an individual and then to grow it and scale it? And like, how did you know over time when it was the right time to do that? Yeah, it is. It's so difficult. It's a huge challenge to know uh, when, you know, how to scale and, and when to scale and when to hire, because every time you hire somebody, you're putting the car before the horse. You need to put money out before you can put, bring money in. So when and it and honestly it it never ends <laughs> because you know i've got a team of about 10 people now and when all 10 of those uh team members hours are maxed out i'm going to have to make the same choice of okay when is the right time to hire so it's a never ending challenge but i would say um you know what i did was really when i first started hiring people and and scaling the business it's just looking at the the potential revenue. So if I hire somebody for, for this much money per hour and they work this many hours and get this many bookings done, you know, how much do I have to charge a client to, to make a profit on that? Um, and so what I was doing 
as I was figuring that out, I had to keep raising my prices. I was severely underpriced. So, and, and I, I keep raising my prices as demand for the service goes up. I keep raising the price, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, to maintain the value and increase the value of the service, I've got to you know pay my team more and, and hire, you know, skilled people. Um, whereas when I first started, I was somebody with zero experience and doing it all myself. <laughs> So I can, you know, I didn't charge that much. Um, and so it's just this constant, uh, you know, puzzle of knowing, okay, how much do I need to charge? How much do I need to pay people? When do I hire people? And so there's really not a very clear cut answer, but I would say that, um, you know, knowing that there was a demand for the service, knowing that I keep, I didn't have any, you know, I haven't had any shortage of clients who need the service. You just kind of keep taking those risks because I, and every time it's a risk, right? Because there's always money going out before money comes in. So you always just, you know, I've always rolled the dice and just kind of (laughs) prayed that it would work out. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that is the, that's just, uh, right. It's, it's like the given in this world of entrepreneurship too, but I mean, it's hard for to to grasp that because it is such a risk that it, it's hard to put like to roll the dice sometimes too and i mean i just give you massive credit for that as well with i want to know too with interview connections because it seems like it's an online based service type business because mm-hmm. you have to have the people that book other people for um interviews but like what was it, what was it like building that that portion out and how did you know what services and to like what packages and how mm-hmm. to price them i mean what was how the first yeah. few days on the ground i guess if oh you can boy. walk us through absolutely so i i first started i mean the pricing is so hard i mean ask any entrepreneur right knowing what to price your service is so so hard because you get into this trap of thinking how much time is this going to take me and what it, and what do i want to be paid per hour and and that's really how you know that's really how you start out in a service-based business or maybe even a products business where you figure out how much time is going to take me to make the product or you know whatever and the thing that i i had to learn in time was it's about the the value that you provide, not the um, not the time it takes you, and and I still try to remind myself now. But you know, going back or winding back to the beginning, I started looking at okay, what are the podcasters in need of? They need guests for their show, so I'll you know create a package where I I book guests. And a lot of podcasters they wanted to schedule their own interviews. They didn't need any extra. They just wanted guests. So I had. Um, I started out with the great guest locator and that's still what it's called today. The great guest locator. I'll book you four guests for $47 a month. (laughs) This is when I first started. Um, now it's over $47 for one guest. Oh (laughs) my gosh. That That is fantastic. So I started with $47 for four guests per month. I'll, I'll find the guests. I'll, I'll get them to say yes. And then I'll introduce you over email. You can just schedule them and take it from there. So it took all the research off the podcaster's plate. But then I had, I, then I had clients who they needed it all done. They didn't, they needed everything. So I would find the guests. I would schedule them. So I said, you know, you have to have an online scheduler. I don't want to be in your calendar. Give me an online link, like a meet meet out. So or Calendly, something like that. So I'll schedule the guest. I'll make sure they get scheduled because that's often the biggest, the hardest part is actually making sure the guest schedules. Mm -hmm. So we'll make sure they get scheduled. We'll do a graphic for each episode. We'll send a confirmation email before the recording. We'll let them know when their show is live. We'll do all the back end work of, of coordinating guests on your podcast. I started out with $77 a month for that service, four guests per month. 
Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, when I first launched, you know, it's not like people are knocking on your door. I mean, it definitely takes time to get the word out. But as I was getting the word out, people were signing up and they were not thinking twice. They were not flinching at the price whatsoever. And I started getting busy and I started realizing, wow, you know, looking at <laughs> how much time it was taking me to fulfill this. I was like, wow, I'm not really making that much money here. <laughs> So what was it like when then when you had to raise your prices? So, well, what I did is I, you know, I, I grandfathered people into their rates. So, and that was kind of, you know, how I started it was I said, these are the charter membership rates. You, you know, you start here and, um, you know, I won't raise your rates. And so then I would raise the rates for new people coming in. And, and that was always an opportunity to increase sales because I would say my rates are going up next week. So sign up this week and lock in your low rate. And so that always helped to get some people in the door. Um, and so, and then I just kept raising them by like 50 bucks each, just every so often. So, okay, okay, 47 is way too low. I'll move that up to 77 and then this one up to, you know, and so I just kept bumping it up and bumping it up. And I did that for like every couple of months. I kept raising my prices um, until just a few months ago. I, you know, kind of hit a sweet spot where sales kind of slowed down a little bit because there was, and I, I had people telling me I was expensive. I was like, okay, I'm at the right point now. Like when people mm. tell you you're expensive, you know, you're like, okay, you know that there are people who think you're expensive, but then you get those clients that sign up and they're high end, you know, sure. and then I had people signing up. Once I got my prices over a certain hump, I started realizing, wow, the clients I have now are more successful. They're easier to work with. They're not pinching their pennies. Oh, this is a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so I, I, you know, I had people that, that would, um, you know, find me on Facebook or something and they would totally need the service. They went to my website and they go, Oh my gosh, there's no way I could afford that. And I say, okay, have a nice day. <laughs> like that's okay. That's okay. I don't, you know, you don't want everyone to afford you. Um, and so, and so that's kind of how I, um, kept raising the prices and then figured out a point to stop. And then what I just did recently, Amanda, if I could add a quick, oh, a no. little, add, add story. as much as you would love to girlfriend. <laughs> so, um, I, after okay so worked 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 work year year after year looked at growing the revenue growing the revenue growing the revenue and i now i started to look at okay my profitable right because with such a service based business now i've got this team fulfilling it i might have this great revenue coming in every month but i also have extremely high bills of you know labor costs i have a really high invoices coming in from my team that are fulfilling the services so what i have done recently is i looked across the board at the services and we haven't even talked about the other side where we work with entrepreneurs to get them booked on other shows let's talk about that uh, after this one too yeah so <laughs> yeah. just at the podcaster stuff i said okay there's a fair number, there's a fair amount of revenue here. However, it's very labor intensive. Um, a lot of time goes into servicing these clients and how profitable is it really? And so I'm not just going to stop offering the service, but how can I change it so I make it more profitable? Um, Mike Michalowicz, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He's a business book author and I'm, I've been just working my way through a lot of his books, learning a whole lot. Mm. And he talks in his book called Profit First. Um, don't, you know, don't talk about, you know, how much revenue you're making or how much money you're making. Do you have a healthy business, right? If you're only making 
for the sake of easy math, a hundred dollars a month, but you know, revenue is a hundred bucks a month, but you've got, you know, um, only a dollar cost. That's a $99 profit. That's, that's a very healthy business. Might not be a lot of money, but it's a very healthy business. So I started thinking, okay, I'm not just going to look at how much money is in my bank account, but I'm going to think, or, you know, how much revenue is coming in, but how much revenue is going, how much money is going out. Um, so what's my net? So I looked at that that second service where I was doing this scheduling and the graphics and the confirmation emails, and I had this light bulb moment. It was about a month ago, actually, so really not that long ago, where I'm actually listening to one of Mike's books on audiobook, and he said something, and I had the biggest light bulb moment. You ever have those, Amanda, where you're like, oh my gosh, is anyone here? Is anyone here to celebrate this with me? Because I just had this biggest, biggest moment. It was incredible. And so I'm like, oh my God. Um, I decided to to cut out the scheduling graphics and all the confirmation emails that we were doing for podcaster clients. I said, really, our biggest skill and our biggest value is finding and booking guests. All that other admin work, while it was great when I first started the business, because I just, I want, everyone says, oh, make it all in one. You know, there's so many people out there that want to do, I'm going to do everything for your podcast. I'm going to book the guests. I'm going to produce the show. I'm going to do your graphics. Honestly, that sounds like one giant headache to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The more niched you are and the more focused on, you know, one specific service or one specific product, um, it's uh it can be a lot more profitable. So um so right now my my team and I are working on phasing out those extra services, kind of transition the clients that are using them, you know, into just the guest booking. And uh and you know, myself and my team have felt a, a huge sigh of relief that wow, we're cutting out the service that is the least profitable and the biggest headache. And while revenue is gonna dip a little bit the net profit is going to be a lot higher. It's going to be a much more healthy business, um, you know, because there's no shortage of people out there saying like, you know, um, how much money they're making every month or what their gross revenue is. And my my dad, my coach, he has this great saying, which, and I don't know if he is the original person who says this, but he says it all the time is gross is for vanity and net is for sanity. (laughs) Wait, say that again? Gross is for uh, vanity, right? So I could say, oh, I have a um, a six figure business, I have a two hundred thousand dollar business, but net is for sanity. So when you hear somebody saying they have a six figure business, they might have just broken a hundred thousand dollars, but if they've got sixty thousand dollars in expenses, you know they're profiting thirty thousand dollars. Not quite as impressive as a hundred thousand dollars, but I mean that's just the reality of the situation. Um, we have to celebrate our revenue, but at the end of the day, as a business owner, you've got to focus on how healthy your business is because that's what's going to keep you going. Um, and you know, from that's, what's going to keep you healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I love it. So you got, you got leaner, you cut out part of the services that you realize is not fulfilling and, and keeping your, your business healthy. Right. And that's just like, for example, and I think to clarify, to make sure I'm on the same page that way, our listeners are too, is that, one of the things you do is let's say I, as Amanda Bolin with She Did It Her Way podcast, I can go to Interview Connections and I can have you guys source the people that come on our show. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So that's the first part. And then the second part you were saying is the the other side of it. 
We would, yeah, and then that's so that's the flip side of it. We'll also work with individual entrepreneurs, people that may or may not have a podcast, but they want to be interviewed. They want to be booked as a guest on shows in their niche, and so that's what we're doing as well. And I launched that um, probably six months after I launched the podcaster services, and so um, and that was actually really um, tricky to launch, and I really put it off for a long time because it's when you want to you know, guarantee bookings, that's a little bit hard. You're like, oh my gosh, I hope that I can actually follow through with what I'm guaranteeing to people. And so I made that a application only service. So people can't just sign up on the website. They have to apply to be a client, which was honestly for everyone listening, like do that. (laughs) If you can slow down your sales, make people apply to work with you, it really is a it's a really cool thing. It's a cool thing to have people apply to want to give you money. <laughs> yeah. And it also allows you to make sure you're and, and and in reality that's what it is. I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for you and that you're a good fit for me. And so um so I did that. And I also I could not I mean, there's some people that want to be booked that I just, I can't get booked. They're, you know, that maybe they're a horrible guest or they're, they don't have a track record. They don't have credibility. I don't know, you know, what they would talk about in an interview. So we have people apply so we can evaluate them and make sure that, hey, if you give me this money tomorrow, I will be able to get you booked on podcasts. Um, So there's some people that we said, you know what, I really don't think I'd be able to book you. I, I don't know what shows there are for you. And so we have people apply to work with us. It slows down the sale a little bit. Um. But it really, really is uh, is a good thing. I've got people in my mastermind group who are um, doctors and they have people apply to be their patients because they want to make sure that they're working with the right kinds of patients. So um, that was a lesson that I learned and uh, has really – I kind of did it out of necessity because I, I just didn't want to have people working with me that then I was really struggling to get them booked because now when people apply – we can kind of start figuring out what shows we're going to book them on before they even sign up so we can really hit the ground running with them. That is super savvy. And like the whole, <laughs> the the niche that you have going with working with podcasts and helping them find guests, but then you're also vetting, like you're doing, it's like a great value add to both ends of of the business model as well. And you were saying when you have the guests that apply to for you to to book them out when like at what point of the business with the other side of of finding guests for these podcasts did that come like was that a light bulb moment or was it just sort of a natural progression and you're like okay I see this this need here's what I can do to fulfill it it's kind of interesting because I actually started by booking people on other shows, right? That's what I was doing for my dad. I was getting him booked on other shows. And but when I when I went to then, you know, when I make the transition from being a virtual assistant to launching interviewconnections.com, I decided to focus on the podcaster and finding guests for their show because I thought, you know, people love being interviewed, right? Finding people to be interviewed on a podcast I thought was was not going to be as hard as convincing someone to interview my client. Mm. Um, and so I started by focusing on the podcaster services just because also working, you know, being a solo entrepreneur, I was, I mean, there's a lot of fear in every part of the journey. I was just afraid that like, if I offered the service and I couldn't fulfill it. So I went the route of helping the podcasters first because I, 
I mean, honestly, it sounded, it, it seemed like it would be easier and, um, and there wouldn't be as much of a barrier to getting people booked for those interviews. Um, and then, you know, but there was this need. Every, people wanted to be booked on other shows and I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to get them booked. So I kept kind of pushing it off. I'm like, oh, I'm not, mm. not taking all those clients right now. I'm just focusing on podcasters, but like, let me know who you are. And if I can, you know, if I see a show that's a good fit, I'll keep you in mind. And it wasn't until I hired, I started hiring a team that I confidently could launch and scale the service for people who wanted to be booked as a guest on other shows. Because I, I had people, like I had people that weren't the owner of the business. It's so important, I think, to to have people that that aren't the owner of the business because they're not as afraid <laughs> of things like they're in there to do a job and do a good job and to help you. So when I hired uh, Kathy, I hired her just over a year ago in October, 2014. Um, I took her on and she just did such an amazing job. And, and so when people wanted to be booked, I'm like, Oh, do you think we could get them booked? And she goes, Oh yeah, definitely. We could do all these shows. And, and it was just such a huge relief. And so I just kept hiring people that, um, you know, weren't as bogged down and overwhelmed at growing the business. They were just focusing on doing it because that's, I mean, that was really the thing. I, you know, as the business owner, you're not only doing a lot of the tasks that you offer your clients, but you're also trying to market and grow it. Mm -hmm. So by this point, I had just launched my podcast. I was already doing my videos, trying to keep up with my blog and trying to offer the services. And my mind was just in too many places. So in order for me to launch and grow this other service, I needed, I needed more brains in the business. I needed other I needed more minds that weren't focused on marketing and they were just focused on actually on serving the clients. And so the entrepreneurs that we get booked on other shows, that service has actually grown way faster and wow. is actually a lot more profitable because, um, oh yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's worked out really well. So, um, it's, it's good to have some other, um, some other team members that can, you know, that can complement your skills and also kind of be your, uh, sounding board too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you've got a fantastic web. That's, that's amazing too. And I'm sure you've, you have like so many can not, uh, not a pun, but connections yeah. <laughs> that have come out of it. I mean, yeah. what, so you, you said you were at podcast movement movement last year. And I mean, who, who were some, like some of the, your favorite people that you got to meet that you just really enjoy talking to that are, that you just are fascinated yeah. by and enjoyed? Oh, so I mean, there's there's so many, and, and with what I do, I'm you know constantly listening to podcasts. Um, I mean, just you know, we're talking a little bit about podcast movement. Um, I you know I've had the opportunity to get to know Jared easily, um, and I saw him speak for the first time. I got to, you know saw him speak at New Media Expo in January of 2014, right? Yeah, so January 2014, I saw him speak, and I'm like, you know big, big time podcaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was like on the panel with Eric Fisher and John Lee Dumas. And for me, I was like a total baby in business. I mean, these guys were like big shots. I mean, um, and they, they, they still are. And, and to many people they are. Um, but I've had the pleasure to, to get to know a lot of them through the work that I've been doing and through podcasting. And so, because I had the opportunity to then speak on, to lead a panel, a podcast movement, you know, I got to, you know, coordinate things with Jared and then get to, you know, get to know him and stuff. And so, um, he's become a friend and, and just, uh, um, 
you know, a lot of other people that I've met at the event, but you know, he comes to mind. I mean, his book was a huge inspiration for me to actually, um, you know, get out of my own way and to, you know, kick that feel, you know, the fear of failure to the curb and actually start the podcast. And, and he was one of my first guests too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's just one name, but there, I mean, there are so many, I couldn't even begin to, to list out the people that I've, that I've met and have seen speak and that have been, you know, influential to me. Yeah. Well, and I find it amazing how long podcasting has been around and then now it's got, it's picking up some speed. Like where do you think podcast is heading? I think that podcasting is still absolutely in its infancy. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's headed in so many places. Um, it's going, I mean, it's, you know, going into our car dashboards, for goodness sake, I mean, people are really starting to, I mean, just mainstream people are really starting to, um, discover podcasts. I'm actually in a, I'm in a mom's group and just some of the women in that group are, are, you know, recommending podcast episodes of parenting podcasts. Oh, I listened to this podcast. So I think it's really the, the new radio. Um, there's a lot of debate around, Oh, is it radio? Is it podcast? You know, like the terminology of it and it's, it's audio content, you know, it's, um, you know, so, you know, where it's headed, I think it's headed in amazing places. I think it's going to be a huge part of marketing. I think that, um, and I see it just with the clients that come and work with me. I think that like, I really think that every smart entrepreneur should have their own podcast. Um, I know there are people that have differing opinions that say, Hey, if you're not good with audio, don't do it. But I think get out of your comfort zone and find the <laughs> format that works for you. Like if you're not a good interviewer or if you, you know, don't want to do a half hour show every week, get on your microphone, record five minutes of you giving a tip and put that on iTunes. Like get yourself out there in audio content. I think smart entrepreneurs are going to get themselves out there in all the different ways that they can. And I think podcasting is, is huge. You know, Jason Hartman is a client of mine. I interviewed him for, um, you know, I've interviewed him on, on both of my shows. We didn't talk about, I have another show called the podcast producers. And when no. I asked, <laughs> yeah. And when I, <laughs> um, when I asked him the same thing, type of question he believes that one day everyone will have a podcast just like everyone has a facebook page like it's going to kind of be the new wow that that is his prediction this guy has been podcasting for seven years has you know um several podcasts so i'll leave you with that and i think it's i don't know if i agree with it but i think it's a very interesting prediction that is not out of um possibilities i mean when you just look at things like periscope it's very easy for people you know a couple years ago you would need an expensive camera and you need to upload it to the internet and all this stuff and now you could just flip on your phone and be live and so i think that podcasting is moving in that direction as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's crazy i i love it though i think audio is is fantastic and it's such an easy way to listen and listen to content. Yeah. What do you think? Um, now I'm going to get into more about Jessica Rhodes and some of the things that you've like your mindset and some yeah. of maybe experiences, but um, what do you believe has made you successful in the past uh, two and a half years? Is that right? Two and a half years mm-hmm. since you started doing interview connections and then launching your podcast. 100%. What I believe has made me successful is the ability to focus and stay committed and to follow through. I think the biggest pitfall that entrepreneurs experience is shiny object syndrome oh and <laughs> and not staying committed to something. Uh, you know, I've I've talked about this on on uh, my video and my blog recently, but you know, I'm going back to these podcasts that I pitched a couple of years ago to think, okay, I booked a client on their show last year, maybe I can follow up. And I can't even tell you how many shows they stop publishing episodes and you know, everyone's got a different reason, 
but I think that most entrepreneurs who don't make it and don't grow their business is because they're constantly trying something new. Um, I have always stayed really focused in my target market and I've always stayed really focused on the service. Um, you know, I've, I've grown and didn't done new things and I've, you know, put an ebook on Amazon and, you know, added some a la carte items to my business. But for the most part, I've stayed booking podcast guests, not booking speaking engagements and doing all this other stuff. I've stayed really, really focused and I've stayed committed. I've always done a week. I have never missed a week of my podcast since launching. I've never missed a week of getting a video out, um, doing a lot better with getting my blog out every week, getting my email. <laughs> you know, there was a while like that was kind of the last train to leave the station, my blog. But um, I stay really committed. And that means that you know, um, some like there, that means that I go, my video comes out on Tuesday. That means that some Mondays I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to do a video today, but I've got to do it. And I drag my butt to the office and I get it done. And, um, and I really think that it's that commitment and the ability to follow through and take it really, really seriously is what has, what has helped me grow. Uh huh. Okay. Well, and I want to get your advice then too. How did, have you always been someone who could, deflect shiny ball syndrome or were, uh, was that like a skill that you had to learn? Um, I think that I, I, I think it's, um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's, it's come by necessity, you know, because I've only had my business as a mom. Um, I don't know what it's like to have a business without having kids. So to, growing my business has always been, you know, there, there's no other option. Like for me to not have my business, it's, it's not an option. It's not, a, it's not even an option on the table, right? Like I, you know, with now two kids, I have to keep growing my business. It's not a hobby. It's not something I do for extra money. It's something that I need. So, so I know that, you know, like I, I just know that <laughs> staying focused is what I need to do. So I just, do I just do it? I'm very strong willed. Like I became, <laughs> there's a story. I became a vegetarian when I was 19. Uh, I'm not anymore, but, um, <laughs> but when I was 19, I decided to be a vegetarian and I'll tell you the story. Actually, it's kind of funny for anyone who's vegetarians. Yeah. You might find this funny. I'm a Presbyterian. Um, so I love okay. people. Yeah. People are still like, is that Presbyterian? I go, <laughs> no, that's a religion, but close. Thank you though. But yeah, so, anyway, keep going. Yeah. I, you know, I was in college and I, um, I went to, I grew up in the suburbs and then I went to school in, in Philadelphia. And you know, whenever you like grow up in the suburbs and you go into the city, you get a lot more culture. You try different foods and, and I tried a falafel. I'm like, wow, this is really mm. meaty. This is really good. And I had friends that were vegetarian and I'm like, oh, I could, I could easily replace meat with things like falafel. And so I just stopped, I just stopped eating meat. Like it wasn't like I had to, eat, I just stopped. Like I'm very, like, um, I'm very strong willed and it doesn't really like, I just quit, quit cold, you know, I just quit meat cold Turkey and it wasn't even a thought. The next <laughs> I was like, I don't eat anymore. And then, um, now getting back into meat was a little bit more of a transition because it's like, you kind of have to, you know, you kind of train yourself out of it for so long. Um, but I was pregnant and I was really hungry and there wasn't any other food in the house. So I just started eating meat again. <laughs> Not sure what that has to do with it. But, um, but yes, to answer your question, I have always been very, very strong willed and, you know, had a very strong uh, personality. And so I think that kind of um, helps me be focused and doing what I have to do. <laughs> well, and so, and to piggyback on that question, was there ever a time that you wanted to quit? And when I say quit, meaning, I don't know, give up or change direction or start over. And if you've ever had that experience, how did you overcome it? Yeah. So, um, 
the I, like I've never really okay. So the one time I can remember where I just you know really was like, oh my god, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, there there have been times where I really question, oh my god, can I handle this anymore? Because some people say, oh, you're you're you know handcuffed to a job. I would argue that you're more handcuffed to your own business, especially when you have you know dozens of clients. You can't mm-hmm. just like quit. Quit. You've got you know when there's this saying that business owners don't have one boss. They have multiple bosses. <laughs> um, and so, oh, yeah. you know, it's really like I have this one memory of when I was pregnant with Lucy. Lucy's four months old now. So it was probably around, um, you know, almost a year ago, maybe like nine months ago or something like that, where, you know, I was in my first trimester of my pregnancy. And that's a really, you know, challenging time. You're super, super exhausted. Your emotions are everywhere. There's a lot of changes happening. But, you know, like you still need to keep doing your life. <laughs> you still need to keep going to work and, and doing all the stuff that you need to do. And I just remember having a total emotional breakdown of like, I can't do this. I need to like sleep five hours a day. There's no way I can keep up with this. And, but I hesitated even telling that story because it was like a hormonal, irrational thing. Like I never actually thought I would quit the business, but there was some serious like oh my god I don't know if I can do this right now Mm -hmm. Um, like I wish I could just stop doing this right now for a while and come back to it later and I mean that was really the struggle throughout my entire pregnancy was um, no like keeping the business moving forward but also saying hey like chill you don't need to be going at 80 miles per hour right now Uh, like don't compare yourself to you know um, the you know like a single you know, 35 year old dude (laughs) with no family to take care of. Like you got to be realistic and, and go at the pace that, that you can go. And so, um, so that was kind of the one time, but I, I hope I answered your question. I I should probably stop rambling on now. (laughs) No, I, I'm with you. I'm a total, and you know what? I don't, it is definitely not rambling because there's (laughs) insight in all of that. And you had said, I mean, I, I think if you're, and I call it the, the solopreneur where you're out and yeah. you're doing your thing and then the people that, and I don't know if this is the, your case necessarily that people are, if they're W-2s or they're 1099, but a lot of your world res- result or revolves around you as the person who's igniting it. I mean, you're the business owner. And right. so you don't have, like, you can't show up and and to work and sit in front of your computer or get with clients and quote unquote not feel like it and that's not to say that it doesn't happen when you have when you go into a quote unquote corporate america because whether you're a business owner or you work at a company you still have to show up but there's a little bit i think more added pressure knowing that like you don't have anything to fall back on Mm-hmm. except yourself yeah. so exactly I, yeah you I mean you said it you said it. I'm just yeah. I'm just taking everything that you said and just yeah uh, no you're totally right I mean not and and that's the scary part like I I mean yeah I can't go back to a job I don't want to go back like I, I literally don't think I could <laughs> I, and so yeah that's you know there are these moments oh man I don't know if you you know you can relate to this but there um like when I'm watching, you know, television shows, I'm really, oh, you're in Chicago. I'm really into the Chicago shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, like Chicago PD and Chicago Fire and Chicago Med just came on. This is terrible. Um, I, I don't watch those, but I hear fantastic things about them. <laughs> I'm really curious about like if people in Chicago ever see them filming. I'm, anyway. Um, yeah. But, you know, I had this moment where I'm watching it. And and I see like the the characters that are the um like the EM the EMTs and I just had this moment I'm like that'd be really cool to just 
have you know sometimes i do have those moments where i'm like sometimes i wish i could just go in clock in do my thing and leave oh yeah you know like there are those moments it's 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 not a want that is strong enough to actually want to do it Mm -hmm. but i do look fondly back at the days where i went to work and i did my job and then I went home mm-hmm. and then I got my paycheck every two weeks and I didn't have to manage the books that it came from. Like it's there, there are moments, but then you remember like you have to weigh the pros and cons, you know, like my friends that they, my sister, you know, they get their paid vacation time. That's nice. Right. <gasps> um, <laughs> I am just like, I'm laughing because I just came off of a vacation with, two girlfriends of mine who both have really like they're extremely successful in what they do and they have a very clear defined path and and they go in and they work really hard and but when you talk about the PTO and being able to like quote unquote clock in and clock out I mean it definitely that wave comes over every now now and then but to your point yeah. I think you said it really well is that that want or thinking about that never trumps exactly staying where you are and I think it would be I don't know. I mean, I think it's very human to look at other things and, and to have that dialogue in your head and go, okay, I get it. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm here and I, I love it. But yeah, I mean, no one, not a lot of people I don't think, don't talk about that because yeah. I would say we like to, I mean, I'll say, I mean, I've been in the position where I'm like, no, I can't let anyone know that like deep down I'm, I might be struggling one day. I have right, to, you right. have to show up and make it look perfect. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is it's never perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, I was just having that conversation uh, today. I mentioned briefly, I go to, you know, every Tuesday morning, I um, go to a mom's group. And, you know, we all have, uh, it's a mom's of two groups. So we all just had our second baby. And it's really oh a mom. Yeah, awesome. it's really, um, like, by definition, it's a mastermind, because we all go, we like share, you know, our challenges and what we're doing and, and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of what we were talking about today is, um, you know, just like always kind of feeling like you have to be perfect or put on this, you know, like show everyone you have everything together when in reality we all have our own, you know, SHIT. I don't know if you can curse on this podcast, but we all have our own <laughs> crap that we're, <laughs> I hope since I spelled it, you don't have to mark it explicit. It took um, me a second. I'm like, what is that? Oh, <laughs> like we no, you're all fine. Have crap. You know, everyone listening here has stresses and everyone within the past, I would say 48 hours has experienced some type of anxiety or stress. And, um, and you know, with whatever we're doing, there's always like, you know, being a, having a successful business, that doesn't mean you're not going to have stress and anxiety that goes along with it. Right. Big money, more problems, more money, more problems. <laughs> yes. <I think. laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's so true. It is so true. Oh, I can't, I did not think I was going to quote that today. <laughs> oh no. I think of that all the time. Yes. No, that's, it is, it is so true, but Jessica, yeah. I've enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a fantastic story and you got a lot of stuff going on. And I think anyone who's listening, whether you're into podcasting or you're not, you can still look at the underlying process and then the things that she's done and from a business standpoint. So yeah, thank you again, ma'am. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Amanda. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.